Okay, welcome to episode five with Lester Ho, our first official guest on the podcast. In this episode, we discussed many aspects of coaching, but one thing that really stood out in our conversation was coaching the individual, not only from a technical standpoint, but from a psychological standpoint as well. So this one's a long one, so strap yourselves in and enjoy. Okay, good to go. So um, guys, we're joined with Lester Ho, uh, the owner of The Training Geek. Lester, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi guys, Uh, yes, I I run this website called The Training Geek. Uh, It started off as a, more like a training resource where we talked about strength conditioning and you know, my interest slowly diverted into weightlifting Uh, for the last, seven years I've been focusing a lot more on weightlifting. Uh, my background is in in fact sport science or exercise science. I was I was close to finishing up a PhD but you know things got in the way, business and all that kind of stuff and you know I I decided to call it quits there and then just focus on my weightlifting uh, coaching career. So uh, I think that's how a lot of people knew me, especially you guys, you know like Tony one of my lifters from uh, TG Strength. So basically now I just run TG Strength, uh, which is a weightlifting club. And, you know, we, we recently just moved, but we haven't had a chance to open up a new location. And I've been doing this for probably the weightlifting club thing for probably about five years, you know, and yeah, I'm totally enjoying it. It's, it's, I, I can't ask for anything else. Fantastic. So, I guess tell us. Uh, I've I've heard you speak about this in podcasts previously, but for our members, um, tell us a little bit how how you got into weightlifting, um, and maybe a little bit more about your PhD uh, that was in the snatch. Yep, yep, yep. So uh, basically, you know, I came over here. I think in two thousand seven. Uh, I'm actually from Singapore, so I came over uh, in two thousand seven. I did my bachelor's in exercise science at ACU and during that time I met my my supervisor who was a, a lecturer there uh, and he was actually a weightlifter uh, and by the end of my bachelor's studies he was actually talking to me about whether I was keen on doing some research because I, I was quite interested in research and all that kind of stuff and that's what led to uh, the training team website. From there he suggested that maybe I should look into doing some weightlifting research for the snatch. And, you know, he introduced me to one research. I did my honours uh, in 2011, uh, 2010. And after my honours, you know, I graduated and the next step naturally was a PhD. So when I did my honours, he also introduced me to uh, the weightlifting club, Phoenix Weightlifting Club, which is one of the one of the biggest or one of the most common clubs in Victoria itself, as well as in the country. Uh, that's where I met my coach, Robert Kabas, and you know he he basically taught me everything I knew about lifting, and he also taught me everything I knew about coaching. You know, I observed him a lot, and you know I I would always ask him questions about why he would coach it like that, so on and so forth. So I think that's how I actually generated that interest. And along the way, around those times, I was also a PT. So, you know, with my bachelor's uh, of exercise time, it gave me set three, set four, or 
top of that. So I was actually able to work at a YMCA. And I worked with a lot of people who, who held office jobs. You know? uh, and that was the big challenge. Like, how do you teach weightlifting movement to what you think is general population? Mm-hmm. But in fact, a lot of them had issues like, you know, poor back problems, like lower back problems, or, you know, even health issues, you know? So it, it got me creative in a way of thinking how to apply a sport like weightlifting into an individual like that. And I think that's how it slowly grew. It, one thing grew into another. You know, I got really interested in the coaching. I did compete for a little bit, uh, but after that, a few injuries put me out and I kind of was too old for it to, to, to really push it seriously. So I said, um, I'll just focus on coaching for the time being and I never stopped, you know. I was lucky enough to get uh, really awesome lifters, you know, both uh, in the open senior categories but also in the master side and I think the big thing that really got me interested is understanding individual differences you know all of us all of us are all um, built differently you know some of us have long torso some of us have short torso some of us have long legs long arms you know all of this plays a part and you know I think that was what I was close to driving uh, towards my PhD or driving my PhD towards and trying to figure out how do we actually categorize every individual in ball lifting itself. Yeah. Just because then everyone can enjoy the sport. Absolutely. And that's one thing, like I've followed you for, for years through your social media stuff. And that's probably one thing when I first stumbled across your stuff that probably drew me to, to you is um, the way you approach things compared to, I guess, like for the traditional purist form of, of weightlifting, you were teaching the movements for the individual rather than just focusing on this is how the movement is supposed to be performed and having everyone, I guess we, we see a lot in, in, in sports, people will teach the movement one way. It might be how they were taught. And instead, I guess through your studies and your research as well, you've been able to teach people according to their limb length and limb lengths and their amphipometrics uh, to give them the best version of the, the snatch or the clean and jerk or the squat for them opposed to that purist version which is like this is the snatch this is exactly how it should be done or this is the clean and jerk this is exactly how it should be done yes so, and, so I actually picked that up a lot from my coach so okay. you know as much as he was he was an Olympic medalist and a Commonwealth Games medalist and all that um, you know and he's been coaching for a long time mm-hmm. he was never a person so Robert was never a person that would actually say hey this is the way you should snatch or this mm-hmm. is the way you should clean and jump you know he would actually get us in or any new individual joining the club he would allow them to do what they think is the snatch you know yeah. when I first got there I remembered I could my, I think my max snatch was like 70 kilos you know and he said alright show me what you know about the snatch and then my first session he, he didn't even say much to me in terms of oh this is how you should do it or anything like that he just said oh you move pretty well you know you've got strong legs and all that kind of stuff um, and then over the weeks or over the months he just corrected me bit by bit you know it wasn't like alright let's break it down to basics and let's do it all over again you did it you did it wrong this way you know it was more like okay I have this I work with this and I'll work it to the point where you know it looks pleasing to the eye or at least you're lifting more weight you know so so I think I kind of got influenced by that as well yeah and that's what has driven a lot of my my coaching and I think the good thing about that is you know 
everyone you know is different so how do you how do you learn to understand the difference you know it pushes you to learn a lot more about the human body and how you should move absolutely um i guess from there like another question i sort of had linking up to that is um how do you go about i guess assessing your lifters for those sort of functional and structural limitations that they might possess or is it more of you see how they move and just just watch them through the movement or opposed to, I guess, like a more formal assessment uh, screening process? So I think I think I use both. So mm-hmm. very early on, you know, I mean, I don't have the experience like a lot of coaches. So, you know, I, I wasn't in, I, I didn't grow up in the sport. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't grow up in the sport. I was, I was probably introduced to the sport when I was 25. Yeah. Yeah. Like most of us are. All right, uh, and or most of the people that I work with are, and the the key thing for me was because I don't have that experience, I had to go and seek out a lot of the knowledge based stuff uh, to understand how the human body moves. So one of the big ones that I utilize a lot is actually the functional movement screen. So yep. I did that I think very early on in my career, and you know uh, a lot of the stuff was very relevant and it is still very relevant to now. Um, they talk a lot about imbalances, you know, uh, they talk a lot about, you know, scoring for pain, so on and so yeah. forth. So if you think about it, if a, a normal person walks through your door and, you know, the first thing you ask them is, you know, have you had any previous injury? Have you had any training history? You know, all of that, all of that just gives you information and data about what to look out for. You know, um, and then over the years, I've learned from other people. I learned from the people I work with, even like Tony, for example. Um, I, I learned from Kairos. I learned from physios. You know, understanding a lot more about certain conditions or certain uh, certain issues that we see generally in our training. You know, like bad shoulders or bad hips. You know, what do we do to really understand the the underlying mechanism of it, and just be able to grow that from there. I think the most important thing is uh, I'm not afraid to refer it out, you know, yeah. because I don't know everything, you know, yeah. I'm not a chiro, I'm not a physio, so it's not my it's not my position or my scope to say, hey, let me try to assess you further from there, yeah. you know, after I've done my initial assessment, like, you know, just a basic overhead squat or air squat, you know, and if they tell me, oh, there's some pain here or I see some shifting, you know, I, I want a deeper idea about it, so, you know, I just, I just, refer it to the relevant people like a chiro to, to do further tests or you Absolutely. know or maybe even get them to do a scan and then get the results from a chiro or physio so that I, I can kinda like know what's actually going on. Yeah. You know? So so most of the assessments based are based off the functional movement screen. Yep. Uh, I go joint by joint, I look at the spine as well. Uh, and it's just an accumulation of what I've learned through the years. Uh, not only for the people that I work with but also myself. You know. Uh, I came from a spot where I'm supposed to be super lopsided. You know, I did dead pin bowling for 14 years. You know, oh wow! When I was young. Yeah, and throwing a throwing a probably a close to about a six to seven kilo ball all on one arm. Oh yeah! You know, you grow up looking like the hunchback of Notre Dame. <laughs> you know? Yeah, so, so you you kind of have to learn how to balance that out for a sport like weightlifting, where you know you have to kind of almost be symmetrical. Yeah. Um, and you just start to explore things like that. You know, and you really, know, no one is no one is symmetrical. No one, no one is, no exactly. one is. So yeah, there's no there's no one that's symmetrical. You know, and like if you understand that, yeah, I think 
what strength and conditioning is is being able to build the body to be resilient to things like that. You know, uh, even for even for fighting or you know MMA or yeah. you know kickboxing, you know there's a lot of rotation. You know, you you always have a dominant side. So yeah. so you know if someone comes to me with that background and says, hey, I want to learn how to snatch, you know, the first thing I address is let's see what what the differences are in one side compared to the other, and then go from there because you are going into a sport that needs to be almost as close as possible balance, right, on each side and. If if I don't take that into consideration, I'm actually putting the person in in a very bad position to to, to learn the lifts. You know, so yeah, that's my that's my my route of assessment. Uh, I think it's there there is a system, but you know, at the same time, it's it's, it's a flexible system. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think most in most of the podcasts that we listen to, because I, I actually researched as many podcasts as possible prior to doing this, because yeah. our, our listeners know that prior to this year, I didn't even listen to one. Um, I didn't do audio books. Um, Look you know, at you now. <laughs> highly, uh, it's hard to turn my brain off, so it's starting to work a little bit listening to podcasts. So um, even my family listened to all the podcasts that you were doing or that, that you've done. So I. I think we found um what did we find one on in 2018 and one in 2019 and then your ones from montreal and the ones that you did post comp um and it was it was really interesting because there was quite a few different uh crossfit gyms that had um, done podcasts with you before Yep. You even yeah, had a, yeah, you well, even had one of them do a song like a song is it part of yeah, your yeah, podcast? I heard that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that, that was the adventure fit, wasn't it? Kelly, because uh, it was with Bill Kerr uh, who yeah. runs uh, Adventure Fit Travel. I don't yeah. know if he was or anything like that. But um, you know, he he had this like apartment, or it was actually in his apartment with uh, Tom, his his other partner in the business or in the podcast. And you know, they invited me over to the place. Uh, you know, we just sat down on a sofa. He had a guitar set up, and it was his kind of thing for the podcast. Like it was like he would sing a song or like write write a small piece about the person they are interviewing, and and then after that, you know, then that that act that's an introduction. <laughs> you know, I mean. Yeah, it was it was cool and it was nice it was nice to have something different and refreshing. Um, you know, I think with a lot of the podcasts that I've I've done as well, uh, you know, the the idea of it is to understand where I come from and to be honest, like I came from I came from a background of like understanding wanting to understand more. You know, I've never I've never thought that, you know, I, I know everything already because that that's the difficult part, you know. There's so many things. Someone might walk through the door now who's new and I go, I don't know what's going on, you know? Like I can't solve that problem. So if I can't solve a problem, my, my brain naturally tells me I need to find a solution. You know, that's, yeah. that's how it works. So yeah. One, I guess. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, thanks for listening to all those. <laughs> <laughs> She's done a few hours. She put, it, over and over she put in the hard yards on the research front. Um, I, I, the one that you did with Katie, um, I had to. Yes. I had to um, stop vacuuming because I couldn't hear you guys. So I was vacuuming away and I'm like, I can't hear this. I really need to hear this. Yeah, it was, see, it was really she good. She doesn't stop. She doesn't stop. <laughs> She's vacuuming while listening to it. Like, I walk and listen to a podcast. I don't vacuum and listen to a podcast. <laughs> I, I clean the shower. <laughs> I clean the shower and listen to it. <laughs> you know, the funny thing is, I've 
never listened to one of my podcasts that I've recorded. Yeah, right. Oh, really? Yeah, the, yeah, yeah I've, I haven't done I haven't listened to any of ours. I, I, I don't know. I just don't find it... Um, I find it a little bit uncomfortable mm. to myself. Yeah. You know, I mean, most of us will feel like that, right? Yeah, yeah. I agree. Yeah, yeah 100%. Yourself, so, so every time I've recorded something and I, I, I don't go back to listen to it or anything like that. So I think that's where like, you know, a lot of times I, I sometimes I, I think I would say things that go, oh, you shouldn't have said that. <laughs> <laughs> then, we say that all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, that's the thing I don't want to end up thinking, see, because... For me, a lot of it comes from, you know, what I feel straight away and what I like. It's 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 raw, you know. To me, yeah. it's raw, and I just wanna I wanna make sure that it's like that, I, yeah. rather than it being like, oh, you know, I wanna rehearse it a little or anything like that. It's just it's just natural. That's that's me. Yeah, yeah it's, it's good. It's good. It's, I like a more like a conversation, um, a, a conversation based opposed to like a real podcast. set interview. Yeah. Um, one yeah. thing. One thing I was gonna. Um, ask which we kind of went on to it a bit before how he said you've been in a lot of crossfit podcasts yeah you had this massive boom in the the crossfit world um how did that come about because all oh, of a sudden no, you were everywhere little, that, yeah, it's like a stroke secret, of genius yeah. yeah it's my little secret uh, actually a lot of people don't realize this but i got into i got into studying uh like my exercise science degree and then, you know, I was, I was learning a lot about strength work, power work, so on and so forth. And, you know, all I did in the past was just deadlifts and squats, yeah. right? Uh, and I was just looking for something different. And what I what actually introduced me to the weightlifting movements was CrossFit. Mm-hmm. So this was early days, you know, like, you know, the documentary, uh, Every Second Counts, I think, yep. uh, with Chris Spieler and then J- Jason Kalipa suddenly, like, popping out of nowhere, the win, the CrossFit Games kind of thing. Um, and that was, the, that was the thing that drew me into CrossFit. Um, and honestly speaking, I did CrossFit first before I did weightlifting. Yeah. yeah. Just like, just like 90% of your clientele. Yeah, just like 90% of my clientele, and that's why I know how you guys think, see. <laughs> <laughs> what happened there was, what happened there was, you know, like, being a student and, you know, um, it's just difficult to join a CrossFit gym. It's so, like, like, I'm not saying that it's not affordable, but, you know, at the same time, you know, I had other things to think about, like rent and school fees and all that kind of stuff. So I, I, I couldn't afford a CrossFit gym. Uh, and I was also at that time taking a loan from my parents, so it was just difficult to say, hey, let's put this as an expense and go do CrossFit. So I explored it at home, I did it in the garage, you know, a lot of my workouts, if you actually go into my blog and you just look into the, the early entries, right, I actually show you, I actually typed in what I, what I did, you know, all my own workouts. Oh, know, nice. Because it was, it was just a way of like expressing what I did, you know, um, and that's, that's how I got involved, you know. So then when I first started being a trainer or even a coach, a weightlifting coach, my first gig was actually in a CrossFit box. That's oh, wow. which, Yeah, which a lot of people don't know. You know like I started off um, uh, in Melbourne. There was this gym. It's closed now, unfortunately, uh, called The Strong Room. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. They were, yeah, yeah, they were CrossFit affiliate. Uh, and because I stayed around the area, they approached me and said, you know, I see that you're a weightlifting coach. Will you be keen on doing some weightlifting uh, coaching? And I was like, yeah, why not? Let's give it a shot. And then that's where it started. And that's what that was, drove me into 
That was gold. Heavy, mate, well. so, so, that was an epic facility, hey, the strong room. Oh, yeah. That was huge, crazy. Huge facility, you know, like, yeah. yeah, they yeah. had, like, you the know, best like, of everything. Yeah, it had everything. It had, like, a massive rig that had about, I think, about probably 10, almost close to 10 squatting stations. Um, and then on top of that, they had more space for rowers. So yep. They had about 10 rowers, you know. So, so I, I was very grateful for that opportunity from them to allow me to start my weightlifting career from there, you know, they, they, they kind of pushed me to be a weightlifting coach in their facility, uh, not a CrossFit coach, mm-hmm. although I have done some CrossFit workouts and all that kind of stuff, but, you know, they were like saying, hey, we want to put you as a weightlifting uh, specialist. And, so when did you, know, you realize, there, when did you realize that your marketability then became, became what you are today? Like, to, to, for, for all of us, we kind of, for oh, like our gym, we heard of you because of CrossFit. Like you've marketed to the CrossFit community so well. I, I, think, I think I was quite lucky in a sense. So I think from, from that opportunity at the CrossFit box or at the strong room, um, you know, I had other opportunities open up. You know, I did my own workshops. You know, I ran a few of my own workshops. At that time, I was also at the peak of my studies uh, with, you know, biomechanics and all that kind of stuff. So, so it was it was kind of like a selling point on its own to learn more about the science of it. Um, and lucky enough, I got in touch with a few big name celebrities in the, in the CrossFit world. So, you know, I had a chance to work with Diane Fu, who became a really close friend of mine. So I don't mm-hmm. know if, like, she's really quiet these days because, you know, she's busy with family and work and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, she used to run this thing called Fu Barbell, which was yep. also a very marketable thing for her. Uh, it was almost like um, CrossFit weightlifting. It was another, an, another version of CrossFit weightlifting. Um, and the very f- famous person that she works under is actually Kelly Starrett, who is yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so you know, I had the opportunity to work with a few of these people. I got to you know go to the US to do some seminars here and there. So I think that's where you know my that's how how I became marketable. You know, in a sense, you know, like yeah. Who would think that a, a nerdish looking guy like myself would get the opportunity to be you know working with these. Superstars in the world. It was actually a stroke of genius. Like it was, it really was. It, it, it's um, and your niche would say so. Yeah, I, I think. I think also because you know the weightlifting community is so small. You know, like there are not a lot of coaches around. You know, uh, and the, the the key thing about it was I wasn't as much as I appreciated the traditional way of weightlifting. I was also showing them another perspective to it yeah. with all the science-based stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, there wasn't enough science stuff around, you know, like I myself did the research and I, I wasn't able to find a lot about science in weightlifting. You know, I mean, there are, but not a lot. Yeah? That's uh, crazy. For, traditional for, coaches. for yeah, such right. a sport that's been around for forever, for there to be yeah. very minimal science and research in it. Yeah, exactly. You know, so, so I think when I started talking about it, it was it was almost like a fresh take on weightlifting. So you know, everyone got got um, kind of interested in it. I think timing was also really important because you know, after the whole CrossFit boom, which was in the two thousand nine two thousand ten period, where it suddenly became super huge, right? CrossFit itself popularized weightlifting. 
but yeah, yeah. all the different wards and all that kind of stuff and you know also at that time i just i just followed suit you know like i was like oh okay regionals or the games this is the event all right yeah you have a one rm snatch in the open or you have to do a clean in the open and you know here are some tips for you you know so so it wasn't something planned it was just oh okay this is happening all right let's just follow this oh this is happening let's just follow this you know? yeah so it's so actually think, uh, so think, good so good yeah, so you have a look at yeah, now the new the coaches that yeah. are coming into weightlifting most of them are following in your footsteps because they were into CrossFit or CrossFit coaches and they're moving moving into the weightlifting. That, that makes me feel really old, actually. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's funny. It's funny because it, it, it just reminded me of, uh, so we had a conversation with a few of these coaches that, you know, like like you said, they, 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 they were in my footsteps when I first started. And, you know, I've never thought of myself as that. You know, I've never seen myself as, ooh, I actually... I was, I, I'm, I'm like them, you know, or I was like them, you know, uh, but the thing about it, yes, I was like them. I had the same struggles of uh, a weightlifting coach who came from a CrossFit, somewhat CrossFit background and trying to grow, grow a small gym on my own, you know, um, they, you know, a lot of times it's, it's difficult because, you know, there's such a big market, but, you know, not a lot of people are just keen on, oh, I want to, I want to do just weightlifting, you know, they want to do something else, they want to do maybe a bit of conditioning or a bit of cardio, you know, and, you know, the best option still is to go to a CrossFit, you know, whereas for us, it's very specialized. And yeah. I think the difficult thing for me now, um, as a as a brand or as a gym is to actually get people to understand that as much as we do weightlifting here, and I run a weightlifting class, um, people's People are still doing strength work. People are still doing conditioning work. You know, like all, over time, I I switch things around a little bit. You know, like I I I would tell people, oh, you need to be doing some accessories, and then I plan some accessories for them, and so on and so forth. So, so as much as I'm a weightlifting club, basically I'm using weightlifting as a tool to get people strong, get people conditioned. Same thing, you know. So it, there's there's always this like. There's always this shift, like a lot of people will think, oh, it's just a weightlifting class, but, you know, we do more than that. I feel like from my perspective that, and then from the other people from the gym that, that come to our gym, they they see you as someone to go to not just to, um, not just for weightlifting in general, but more to get better at their CrossFit weightlifting. So they don't see you specialising, well, if I go to him, I need to compete. And I need to be good at, you know, I want to go down that road. They can see it as part of their training as well. So, and I guess that's yeah. a big separator too for you, though, Lester, because um, there are so many people who like weightlifting is weightlifting. If you come and train weightlifting, yeah. you're training to be a weightlifter. You're not going to be a CrossFitter who trains weightlifting. Yeah. So that's still and coming think, across. Yeah, I think, I think, I think that I'm lucky in a sense that. I, I've never thought that way, like, you know, I mean, if someone comes to me now even and says, hey, I still want to do some CrossFit, I'm like, sure, you know, I'm happy to help you with your weightlifting uh, and, you know, we, we will complement your weightlifting towards it. So I think that's also because my background is very entrenched in uh, strength conditioning, you know, and if you think about it, CrossFit is, is strength and can basically strength conditioning. You know, uh, you, you do different things for strength and conditioning. Strength and conditioning is a bit more specific to the activity that you're involved in. But, you know, if if you understand that 
oh, okay, CrossFit now is somewhat of a sport, you know, and I can help you with strength conditioning for that sport, right? Um, that's that's basically what we do. You know, we do have a few people that still enjoy their CrossFit workout, they still do some of it, and you know, I try to help them get better with it and to understand that you know, in order for you to be able to be uh, a good CrossFitter, you also need to understand how to how to do weightlifting for CrossFit. Yeah. You know, and you guys brought up a really good point. You know, like a lot of people or a lot of weightlifting coaches are adamant in a sense where they want people to convert over to weightlifting. You know, I mean, yes, we do have a, a huge talent pool in CrossFit. You know, like a lot of our top weightlifters came from a CrossFit background, right? Uh, and then they, yes, they focused on or specialized in weightlifting. But also at the same time, you know, people have, people have free choice, you know. If, if I don't want to be a weightlifter but I enjoy the sport, why is it that someone can't do that? You know, why, why can't I, why, I, why can't I do just weightlifting because I enjoy it and yeah. it's not necessary that I always want to compete at a high level, you know. Um, I think that's the important thing for people to understand, you know, as much as I drive competition, right, uh, I like, I like the idea of competition or weightlifting competition. I don't drive it into the individual until the individual is actually ready for it. Yeah. You know, it, there's no point, there's no point because it's almost like you're forcing it on to them and, you know, when people are forced, they, they don't want to do it. As simple as that, you know, it's like now when we are stuck in quarantine or lockdown, you tell people stay at home, they'll be like, oh, I don't really like it, I'll just walk around. <laughs> it's the same thing, see? so yeah. So mo- moving on to the, the quarantine thing, um, you're, you had um, the remote coaching going for a while now, so how, how, um, how do you think it's differed? How's that changed and evolved through COVID? Oh, for, for me, I think, I think nothing much has really changed apart from me not being able to see those people that I train, like, like yourself, Tony, I don't, I don't get to see you face to face. So, so it's hard for me to have that one session where in the week where I get to interact with you face to face and say, Hey, you know, let's do this. You know, I think the difficult part about the current situation, the COVID situation with the lockdown is, um, it's not the social distancing, but it's the physical distancing. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I mean, as coaches, you guys, when, I'm pretty sure when you first got the lockdown, it was difficult to say, hey, how are we gonna, how are we gonna teach, how are we gonna teach things to them? How are we gonna teach things to someone who wants to escort? You know, like, yeah. oh, okay, I need you to, to try to do this. You know, you, the, 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 feedback that you give to an individual is really important and that has been taken away to us, from us. So I can't position someone like physically, I, if I can position someone into what they need to do for the list, that would be so much easier, you know. Uh, but I've also kind of trained myself over the years to, to do that through remote coaching, you know. So when I first started, I never limited myself to just saying, hey, you need to be in close proximity with me so that you can train. You know, I was always open to remote coaching. I was always open to someone being miles away or, you know, I have, I have, I still have this lifter who is, who has been with me since I first started. Um, he is, uh, I think he's about 50 plus coming to 60 and he's in the US, you know, um, he was my first remote coaching client and he has never stopped, you know, like if I, if I, I, I actually label his weeks on his program and he's up to about, 243 weeks now. Oh, wow. That's, yeah. that's, that's insane. 
So that yeah, you totally. actually helped have that bit of a jump on all of us guys who were just starting out in the remote coaching kind of world because um, you'd yeah. been doing it for a little while. So you don't feel like much has changed over this time with your uh, remote I coaching? Think, I, think, I think it has. I think it has a little bit, you know, like, I mean, um, with the lockdown and all that kind of stuff, you know, a lot of people that do, like, I mentioned, you know, a lot of you guys that do remote coaching with me, you guys still get to see me once a week when it was all normal. Yes. Uh, and and it just allowed me to catch up with you guys, you know, there's always that, you know, I'm not just a person behind the screen, you know, I'm a physical person that you can talk to, you know, joke around with, you know, uh, have fun with and all of that kind of stuff. And I think I think that, that that's what's changed for me and, you know, I, as much as I'm a shy person, right, and I, I don't like to... I'm, almost a bit anti-social but um, I I do miss coaching face to face you know I do miss the, the idea of having having a chance to actually talk to someone physically um, but what it's done as well is it's got me closer to a lot of my remote athletes who I never talked to a lot you yeah. know like they, they now have the opportunity to actually talk to me a lot more you know because I'm always chasing up with them to say hey how are you today you know two days later hey how are you today uh, another two days later oh hey how is it going you know? <laughs> so, yeah you know so it, it I think as a coach the important thing is that communication with the individual uh, and being able to maintain that communication over this period of time has been has been a big change for me you know um because I'm not having to run to the gym all the time, I have more time on the computer to catch up with an individual. You know, I can go like, hey, what, do you need me to change anything for you? Do you need me to do this for you? You know, so so I think that's really important because at this point of time, all of us need support, you know, uh, not just for our training, but also for our mental health, you know. So, yeah. so being able to just extend a line and say, hey, are you okay or are you doing okay how are you holding up you know i think that makes a big difference you know because all of us go through different struggles um you know and and especially at this time you know some some of us struggle with work some of us struggle with the children at home you know uh some of us struggle with the business you know so so we never know what that person is going through you know until they actually open up and talk to us and, even if, even if I'm a coach, I still go like, oh, hey, how are you guys doing with your business? And, you know, do you, because that's going to affect your training, you know, like if, if you, if you're stressed with your business or you're stressed with something, right? I see it in your movement and, you know, like, you know, Tony is smiling. <laughs> like I try to catch weights with my yeah, neck. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I tell her that all the time. <laughs> so, so, I've only had those stress a certain way, you know, and it only, it doesn't recognize where that stress comes from. So, so if I want someone to be better in training while I'm coaching them remotely, I need to have more information about what's happening around them before I can say, hey, maybe you're not, you're not doing well because of this, not because that you're not doing your training right. Yeah. So, so yeah, I think that's the, that's the difficult thing for me, not being able to like talk to them face to face about it, you know, because sometimes people come to this gym here as an outlet. Yeah, absolutely. Hundred percent. Like, yeah, like for you guys, a lot of people go to your gym because you just want that one hour in the day. Say, hey, I can, I can step away from my home or I can step away from my business just yep. so that I can refresh it. Then I go back to being who I am. Yeah, that's that's definitely for us, and I'm sure it is for you. Like one of our core values is like, as coaches, and we push this onto our other coaches is make 
your client, whether it's a PT or a class, make this hour the very best yeah. hour of their day. Because they're choosing to come yeah. here. They're, yeah, it's, it's a choice. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's so we... That's the challenge, you know, so... Yeah. yeah. Um, I think there's a good segue sort of from what you just said about like stress and all that sort of stuff. Um, and this could probably go many ways, this question, but other than before what we spoke about, about like some of the structural factors um, with clients and teaching them certain movements... How do you take into account factors, I guess, through both coaching, but also programming for clients, things like uh, age, gender, training age, height and weight, stress, diet, sleep, quality, quantity? How do you go with that? Well, like like I mentioned just now, a lot of it is communication. Yeah. When someone first comes on board, like, you know, getting as much data as I can, understanding what they're what, what? So I always look at it three way, three in three concepts, right? Um, the individual, the task, and the environment, right? Uh, I think when learning a the skill, these are the three important things for us. Uh, this this comes from motor development, or it's grounded in uh, motor development uh, concepts. Yeah. Um, for me, I want to understand the individual a lot more because the individual is what should get better. You know, you're coming to me to train. So I want to improve you as an individual. Uh, the environment, I get some information from it because I go like, oh, where are you training? Or if you're training at home, what do you have available? When do you train? Um, and that sort of stuff because then I know, all right, what's going to affect you? If, if you're going to train early in the morning, you know, your sound might be an issue or sleep might be an issue. So, so you know, being able to categorize it into these three things just allows me to go like, oh, okay, He's not, his environment's not really right. How do we change that up a little bit? Yeah. Um, so, so I think the big, I think the big thing for me is to be able to understand the individual over time. You know, um, it is not just a straight away thing. It's not just, yeah. oh, okay, you need to, because I, I, I ask questions all the time. You know, I, I, I go, as much as I know what their training background is or what injuries they might have before, you know, I don't have the full picture of it. You know, I don't, like someone who might have a shoulder impingement, you know, I might go, okay, it's it's related to the shoulder or it might not be related to the shoulder, it might be related to the hip. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, as much as I can try to get him to do stuff to improve the shoulder, right, uh, the the problem might still be there because of the hip. And and if I don't explore that, I can't actually I can't actually end up going, Oh, I've solved the problem for you, you know, because it will get to a certain point where his body would respond to what I've given him. But after that, when I push the envelope for it, it starts breaking again. So, so yeah, a lot of it is just exploration over time, you know, communicating with them, understanding how they learn stuff as well. You know, yeah. like all of us are different learners. A lot of us are auditory. A lot of us are visual, you know, um, a lot of us actually need to be put into the physical position of it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, it's just learning and putting all these together. Um, I think for me, the big one is more like, I, I, I always like to ask questions about the individual. So, you know, something might be working now and then the next day it's not working and I'll just ask, oh, what do you do in between? You know, do you sleep well? Do you eat well? You know, are you, are you stressed or something? Uh, and, you know, in, in this time, there's so much change, you know, like from day to day, there can be a big change. So, oh, yeah. so, 
yeah, if you don't ask those questions, you're not yeah. going to understand why the change is there. 100%. Stress is a real funny one, hey, because you can, like, you, that's something I always ask everyone when they first start with us is, uh, what are your stress levels like? And you get like 90% of people were like, I'm fine. Oh, I'm, I'm fine. I don't I'm stress. Fine. And I'm totally like, fine. It's yeah. like, we, we all stress. And, <laughs> some, yeah, you know, yeah, some like, of us yeah. aren't aware of it. It's, it's just that self-awareness of going like, because stress, as we, as we know, massively influences our training. If, if we come in and our stress levels are through the roof and it could be completely outside of training, it could be relationship or work stress, and then someone comes in and, you know, let's say, for example, they're supposed to hit, I don't know, five reps at 70% and they're struggling to hit that. They're like, why am I not able to do this? <laughs> this I, is true. I, I, I could do this last <laughs> week. But then, but then we know if, if we ask them a few questions and go, okay, what's been going on? And they tell you something about work and they've had poor sleep and we're like, yeah, well, that makes perfect sense. It's still stupid. I think, I think, <laughs> yeah, no, it is. But I think, it, I think the big one that you brought up is self-awareness. You know, mm. like a lot of us just need to be aware of what's happening within ourselves, you know, uh, and the clearer we are about it, the easier it is for us to go about moving forward. Yeah. You know, I think one, uh, when, you yeah, when we start, we kind of start like going, I don't think it's like that. I don't think it's like that. Oh, I don't think the stress that I have with my partner is affecting my training. You know, chances are yes, a hundred percent. You know, so so people people don't recognize that enough. And yeah. Then that's where you know things don't work out in training because you know there's nothing wrong with the training. It's yeah. All, it's all sound. It's all based on what it's supposed to be. But then there are also outside factors that always. Absolutely. And I think, I think the hard part is probably taking a, a, a step back and I guess taking our ego, our own individual ego out of the equation with our training and yeah, just being able to look at it uh, objectively rather than going, well, I hit this last week and being really emotional about <laughs> training. Um, and like I've, I've found like through my training in the last few years, uh, I, I guess I moved probably more from like purely percentage-based training to more of a, an, an RPE scale. Um, that's how, how do you go with, because that's like massively helped me become um, much less emotional around my training. Do you, are you more percentage, RPE, or is it a mixture of both and sort of self-awareness uh, with athletes? Tony can answer that question for me. <laughs> Good, Tony. <laughs> nah, I, well, a lot of uh, a lot of my training is percentage based still. Mm-hmm. So you know, being the sort of science person, I'm still very uh, percentage based because I believe a lot in periodization uh, and understanding periodization. That's a very big one for us to actually improve. Yeah. Uh, but also at the same time, you know, I I don't traditional periodization is basically you know you go up linearly and then after that you have a deload. You go yeah. Up linearly and then you have a deload. You know. Uh, but for me, I don't always have that kind of like structure where I go, oh guys, we're doing a 12 week block now and this is what we're doing. You know, I look a lot at movement patterns and I want the person to be improving constantly. So my blocks are a lot shorter and I don't do a deload. So in order for for them to sustain not doing a deload, the percentages are always a little bit on the lower side to start with, unless there's a competition coming up. Yeah. Yeah. So, So until we know when the competition comes up, then you start planning a, a, a bigger block closer to that point. Yeah. But if not, a lot of them, like at this period of time, you're just training through. You know, there's no, there's nothing you can train for. You know, like there's yep. no competitions at the moment, so it's impossible to say, oh, let's try to pick here or anything like that. 
know, and there's no point trying to put the body through a nine percent aspect. Absolutely. Yeah, there's I I I do use the RP skill as well, especially for individuals that may not have a percentage. Yep. Right? Uh, and what I found this is more subjective than uh, having uh, startup timing, but uh, I I I base it roughly off the RP I base the RP roughly as a percentage. You know, so so let's say an RP of six out of ten, right? Yeah. I usually tell the individual that might be close to a sixty percent effort yep. on that day itself. You know, so so that that's how I actually judge the RP. And then similarly, if someone's been given a percentage, and you know, they say, "Oh, you know, take squats, for example. I haven't tested my squat in three years, for example. Uh, and I'm meant to do seventy percent for three reps, right? Yeah. Then I go, if you if you're not too sure about your uh, one RM, then you know, treat it like a seven out of ten. Yeah. Do it to the point where those three reps feel like a seven out of ten. Yeah. So so there there is a mixture of uh, a bit of that science based. Stuff, but also at the same time, a lot of auto regulation to yeah. to to suit the individual. So so yes, I use both. I use both very regularly. But for my guys that are constantly training and you know they already have like a one hour interval, um, I do I do get them to try to follow the percentages as much as possible. Yeah, I mean there are times where eighty percent is no longer eighty percent. So. You know, we, we, we push it a little or, you know, maybe that time we'll just test it out a little bit. Yeah. But also at the same time, I just simply go, okay, if you if your 80% is now like uh, 70%, then you'll be working at 80% more regular. Yeah. Like yeah. So, so, yeah, you know, I think that's a big one. And I think for weightlifting in particular, a lot of it is Definitely understanding the athlete, and um, I think too. I guess like uh, a lot of a lot of your clientele are sort of either coaches or a high, quite high level athletes. So they have a they have a lot of they're very extrinsically motivated people. Um, but also, I guess how have going on a bit of a segue here. How have your clientele found this situation now? when they're so used to, you know, having competitions to look forward to, um, how, are they, how are they going mentally? Well, I think we got, we've got both ends of the spectrum. You know, some of them are really enjoying it. Some of them are like, oh, hey, I get to train every day now. You know, like, you know because why? They, they're at home. They have, I mean, they still have stuff to do, but they're not like uh, doing a lot, you know. So yeah. I, they, they come to me and they go, oh, I need to be doing something. So I go like, all right, let's let's 
let's split your training up. You know, you might be training more frequently, but maybe shorter sessions or something like that. Uh, and it just keeps them occupied, you know, take their mind off things a little bit, so on and so forth. But then I also have the other, the other spectrum, end of the spectrum where they go like, oh, there's nothing to look forward to. You know, I, I really want to, you know, a lot of our guys, they were planning to compete in for Oceana Masters and uh, the Australian Masters, but now there's nothing like that. So, so then the motivation drops. So, so some of them, some of them who always have something to look forward to, right? Those that need something like a goal or an event to chase, I tend to give them something like you know we've started doing a weekly challenge where oh, okay guys. This is your challenge for the week, you know? yeah. um, and you guys will compete in uh, in terms of like achieving a percentage of your one RM, and you know put the score together or anything like that. Now, of course, I still take my spin on it and say you have to be consistent, so you have to do five attempts, and if you miss one, you get a zero for the score. <laughs> you know? So, you know, uh, I think I think it's just playing around with their their training a little bit, and I think at this point of time, you know, as much as I I I hold firm with my values as a coach, uh, I think it's important for me to also touch base with the individual and keep them motivated. You know, if it's something like, oh, let's try something different, I'm up for it because why? There's nothing that we need to worry about at the moment apart from just being able to train continuously. You know, so if you're up to trying something, I'm happy to try it with you, give it a shot, see what happens. You know, the only times where I'm a bit more firm with my decisions is because a comp's coming up or, you know, this is what we are planning for, so I don't need you to be doing this at the moment. So, so now that we have nothing planned, you know, well, we, we'll just play around and explore, you know, I think, I think that's the fun part about this yeah. time, where, you know, you can do anything you want, well, within, within my, my regulations. <laughs> but, you know, I'm, also I'm also happy to try things out, so, so yeah. Did you have any any more of your questions that you wanted to ask? Or did you want to start moving into like the podcasts and books and stuff like that? Um, I I the other question I had was you talked about your a lot of, in a lot of your podcasts about your coach and how he was a great mentor to you. Have you ever thought about doing any kind of mentoring program with yourself? Uh, I have, I definitely have. So I think a couple of years back, I actually introduced like a coach development program when I first wanted to expand the gym a little bit. Um, the the purpose of that was more to actually be able to take myself uh, sometimes away from the gym, having to go for competitions or you know being able to make a trip back to Singapore or anything like that, and still have someone that is uh, reliable to kind of you know, do my duties here as a coach in the gym. You know, um, I've, I've explored a few avenues where, you know, I try to get a group of people to come in and then, you know, I did a few interviews and see how they were like as candidates and all that kind of stuff. Train them over a period of like, I think it was 12 weeks uh, to really teach them what I know about the lifts, you know, um, give them the background knowledge on weightlifting and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and then after that, observe them for a few few more weeks from there, you know. Um, unfortunately, you know, distance is always a, a issue for me. I'm always seen as a destination. So, so to travel, to come down here, a, a lot of people found it difficult, you know. So it was difficult for me to also hire someone new or any of those candidates to say, hey, I want you to come and help me cover my time in the gym. 
you know. And then after that, I stopped for a while trying to mentor people. Um, and, you know, the, so someone came up uh, being proactive about it. So uh, my current uh, so-called assistant coach or my, my second coach in the gym, Sarah, um, she was actually a lifter in the gym um, before she became a coach. And, you know, like she came up to me and she said, oh, uh, you know, would you like to mentor me? I, I, I don't mind being a coach and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, I thought maybe give it another shot. This was a, a few months after the coach development program. Um, this time around, I took a different route. You know, I just basically said, okay, you're just going to shadow me. I'm going to sit down with you each week, uh, talk to you about how I teach the lifts, you know. Uh, she also has a physio background and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I think it helps a little bit with understanding anatomy. Yeah. Uh, and then from there, from there, you know, like, like it took me, it took me a good year and a half before I actually got her to properly help out coaching. You know, half the time she was always shadowing and she was always asking me questions. Um, and only a new a year and a half or so later, then she started being confident enough to say, "Hey, I'll take a, I'll take a session on my own, or you know, I'll do a one on one on my own." And, and you know, I think I think that was a better route because I could spend all that time trying to develop an individual. Mm-hmm. Uh, also understand her, also understand her as an individual. You know, like how she communicates with people or how she sees certain things, and then develop her from there. You know, it's it's, it's not just develop developing the knowledge base, but also developing the skill base. So how to communicate with someone, how to how to bring that message across. So mentoring to me. You know, it almost feels like it's the same route that I went through where I will always be asking questions to my coach. You know, it was never a, a formal thing. It was just like, oh, hey, let's sit down and chat after training. And, uh, oh, why do you, why do you teach someone how to do this like that? And then, uh, what do you see here? You know, and then he'll tell me because chances are he's probably seen a million lifts and he has so many stories behind each lift, right? Uh, he'll tell me a story about each lift. You know, he'll tell me, oh, in this year, in, in this world championships or whatever it is, so and so did this lift and, you know, he lifts like that, you know, and I go like, oh, okay, yeah. So, so I think it's that sharing of that experience that's really important and, you know, similarly with Sarah, that's what we did, you know, like we shared, we shared what I knew um, and that's how she slowly learned to be a coach, you know, and, you know, she, in a sense, was very observant with how I interacted with all my lifters, you know, she would ask me, oh, why do you tell so-and-so like that, you know, and I'll, I'll explain it to her, you know, so, so I think on the mentoring side, uh, it's just, I, I found that the best way is to actually have a longer mentoring period, which a lot of people can't handle because why, I want results quick, see. Yeah. I want to be a good coach quick, you know, but, but you guys, you guys have been at it for so long as well. And, you know, we are still always in the process of learning. You know, even myself, I'm still in the process of learning. And I, even, even if people see me as, oh, I know what I'm doing, sometimes I still don't know what I'm doing. You know? <laughs> I, still, I still try to find out what's actually going on. You know, I can always be better. Yeah, that's, so, yeah, that's definitely so, an honorable thing. We can't know everything. Yeah. We can, yeah. Exactly, and, and I think know? one of the best, best qualities a, a coach can have is, the ability to say when they don't know, I don't know, but I'll find out for you or refer exactly, off yeah. because so many coaches do try the whole, you know, someone asks a question, they don't know and they'll kind of like just make something up. Yeah. So I think, yeah. I, I think well, for a coach, it's yeah, I, think, I think it depends. I think it depends, you know, like I think the important thing is to actually be able to say, hey, you know, you, you don't have the answers to everything. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm, 
I'm I'm a dad, you know. I'm I'm gonna tell my son one of these days. Oh, he comes to me with a problem, and I'll go. I might not be able to have the answer for that, you know. How mm-hmm. am I gonna tell you that, you know? But what I'll do and what I know I'll do is let me go find out. Yeah. Let me go help you with that, you know. Uh, that kind of thing. So so it's the same way as I approach coaching. It's like, you know, sometimes I get asked a question and I go like. I don't know, you know, like yeah. you, I can't tell you why it's not working, you know. I can't tell you why it's not like that, but you know, I'll do what I can to explore it. You know? And sometimes, if I don't reply, it doesn't mean that I just shut it off. You know, sometimes I might just be thinking in my head or going like, mm, let's think about this a little bit more, which I tend to do a lot. You know, yeah. halfway through, I'll be like, oh, okay, I gotta answer. So, <laughs> <laughs> which is good <laughs> because think. thinking about something before you just split it out your mouth is a good idea. Yeah, I do both actually. So. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll go like, oh, okay, yeah, let's hopefully, you know, change that up a little bit, yeah. Okay. But yeah, I think... I- that's, that's a big one, like. Yeah, I think uh, over the years of us having the gym and working in gyms, you see some trainers that hold, like, all of their knowledge to themselves and they don't want to share and they see it really protective. And um, Craig and I have always been like, yeah, come and do work experience here. Come and we'll show you how to do this. And we... We're happy. We're happy to give knowledge. Yeah, we just, more than happy. yeah, we can't help but share knowledge. So it's interesting yeah. when you find, come across other trainers that are actually in the same boat as us, who are just like, yeah, sure, you just and you're happy to I share think, that knowledge. I think the big one you guys want to like. I think everyone needs to remember is you know, even if you have someone that came under your wing and you're teaching them and they leave, right? It, it speaks a lot about yourself, you know, it speaks a lot about you being able to teach them to the point where they're ready to go, you know, it's like, yeah. it's like parenting, you know, you don't want to always keep them too much under your wing, you know, like soon enough they'll be like, ah, go, go into the world, you know, and you want to, you want them to be sensible adults, you know, like as kids, you want them to be sensible about adults when you grow up, you know, it's the same as coaching, you know, once you teach them and you teach them the correct things or what you think they need to know, right, if they are able to apply it and they are able to apply it outside of where you are, right, it goes to show that you've taught them well, yeah. you know, even like you guys as lifters, you know, I, I teach you guys things all the time and if you're able to apply it in your own lifting, in your own training and even as coaches yourself, you know, I... That's that's my job done, and I've gone like, oh yeah, you know, I've taught them well enough, you know, rather than having someone go out and go like, oh, I'm gonna teach this and you know how, and then they go like, oh, where do you learn that from? And oh, I learned this from Leicester or something like that, you know, and yeah. you know, it just you 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 don't you don't need to be keeping it all in just yeah. so that you can kind of control that. You can just go go out there, teach everyone, and then that's it. You know? Like, I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure the guys that did the coach development program, even though they didn't stay with me, they progressed on to be coaches themselves. You know, they progressed on to run weightlifting clubs, uh, to run, you know, CrossFit gyms and all that kind of stuff. So so I see that as, as I have taught them at least something and made that done worthwhile. Yeah, yeah it's a good way to think about it. Um, so um, that brings me to the, my next question anyway is um, that you do seminars all, all the time. Um, do you prefer to take coaches or athletes into the seminars? Oh, that's a tough question. <laughs> I, I, actually enjoy, I actually enjoy both. You know, I actually enjoy both. So one of my big things is coach education, getting coaches to understand how to use weightlifting to 
to the fullest potential. You know, like weightlifting is such a wonderful sport. So, so I want people to actually appreciate it more and use it more. You know, despite all the stuff around it with politics or you know, like all the drug stuff and all that sort of thing. Um, and I want them to actually see the sport as a, a useful tool within their repertoire, right? Uh, and that's why I don't. I, I really enjoy coaching coaches. You know, uh, I also don't. I, I also enjoy coaching individuals who are new to the sport because, you know, it's, it's the same thing. It's about introducing the sport to the individual. You know, it's about teaching them. This sport taught me a lot. You know, this sport gave me a lot of opportunities. So, so I see it as a way of returning those opportunities, you know, telling, telling the individual, Hey, you know, I started like you. I couldn't overhead squat. Uh, I didn't have mobility in my ankles, but I have now, you know, uh, I might be Asian, but I don't. I don't always have an Asian squad in the past. <laughs> <laughs> so, That's a lie. Um, That's a lie. No, genetically. Yeah, you know, like you know, I am yet to see like, an Asian I, I, squad. I want. I want people to enjoy it. Whether you're you're learning more because you want to transfer it to someone else as a coach, or whether you're just keen on the sport. You know, I. To me, my motto for the, the for the training gig has always been to bring weightlifting to all. You know, whether you're a coach, whether you're an individual learning the sport, to me, to me, if you learn something about it, regardless of who you are or where you come from, I think that's 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 my job done for you. you know? so, so with your yeah. with with your podcast that you've done previously, because you know we binged, listened to them all week. Yeah. Yeah. Even Michael said to me later on because he was listening while he was doing all his barbecue. Um, <laughs> I think that Lester could teach me how to snatch, even with my mobility. Oh, yeah, of course. Because <laughs> you, cause you actually said that a lot in your podcast and, and he heard you say it, like, over the different podcasts of, that you could teach it to anyone and he's like, I can, I can train too now. <laughs> I, yeah, I think that's what it is. Like, you know, my background, when I, like, I said to you guys, I, I started working as a trainer and I worked with a lot of people with a lot of conditions. Um, and and you know, working with someone who works in an office—that's that's like that's like you trying to problem solve everything. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so if you can problem solve something like that, you mm-hmm. can definitely teach anyone how to do weightlifting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so so to me, like you know. At the end of the day, it's just enjoying it. You know, it doesn't mean that you have to do like a full snatch. It doesn't. It doesn't mean you have to start from the floor. You can still do parts of it to enjoy the sport. Yeah, yeah. What would sort of to finish off before we we got a few questions to ask after? But um, what would your number one tips for? aspiring lifters or even just like you know like weekend warrior sort of lifters who just just enjoy training what would your number one tips be to fast track or just improve their learning of the lifts okay. i think i think the first thing to understand is um being being receptive to change you know i mean to learn anything uh, to learn something new you have to be comfortable with it feeling a bit uncomfortable you know i mean even for someone who has been lifting for a while you know if you want to learn something new what you what you do with your lifting has to change a little bit and it has to feel a bit different right you cannot be doing the same thing expecting a different result yeah. yeah. So, so being receptive to it is actually one of the one of the big things that would actually fast track a lot of your learning. You know, um, and I think that's that's the that's the, that's the to me 
that's the most important thing because like a lot of times we are so hung up with what we think we know mm-hmm. when in actual fact we don't know you know so yeah. so if you are if you are just going in with an open mind and you go oh let me try it out right you you will you will feel that suddenly your progress just goes up you know um, I think physically as well I think the important thing is to actually be able to um, almost keep the body as relaxed as possible a lot of people think that weightlifting is a very <laughs> yeah, weightlifting is a very like aggressive and uh, very uh, tense you know like oh I need to hold my breath like you know brace hard all that kind of thing but when I actually start telling people to relax a little bit more and you know know like be very aware of your breathing you know it, things change you know? Yeah. Like, it's like life you know you you if you're if you're more in the moment you understand what's happening with your body straight away you know what you're doing yeah. you know so so i think being mindful is the big is the is the phrase that i want to put through like you know in order for you to be able to fast track your progress just be mindful of things so yeah. that's my that's my whiteboard intention of the last two weeks <laughs> so on my whiteboard at home it says mindfulness and then underneath yeah. is intentions so that's yeah. um, very, that's, that's excellent. <laughs> yeah. so hopefully that message goes across because, you know, like that's one, one thing I learned about myself as well. Like, you know, I, a lot of times I just don't think about myself. I just keep doing stuff. I keep yeah. doing, you know, doing stuff for people, you know, I keep doing things for the gym, you know, but at the end of the day, it's also looking back at it, what, what I actually enjoyed out of it, you know, like, painting the big logo there you know um, I had the help of my sister and to, to be able to do it with my sister or to set this whole place up with my sister you know we haven't as siblings we never had that moment or that period of time when we were close but I think this whole thing brought us really close together and you know it's just something that that is uh, you don't actually think about it until you actually look back at it so yeah you know, yeah that's awesome being present and just enjoying the moment that's really cool oh, exactly um so then, like we, we we basically finished every podcast. So uh, sorry, yeah, every podcast so far asking each other and um, now having our first guests. Yep. What podcast or audio book or book have you read in the last few weeks? Um, and what would you recommend to our listeners? Uh, I, well, my my big one is actually uh, the art of. I think it's called The Art of Coaching by uh, Brian Bartholomew. Yep. Yeah, that's my one of my big books where, you know, a lot of people, even even for a regular personal trainer who's working with a general population individual, uh, you learn how to communicate. I think that's a big book for me that I recommend to a lot of new coaches to even read if they, if they want to just simply get better with being present, you know, being mindful with, of yep. their athletes. You know, uh, that's the that's the big book that I go into. Uh, in terms of podcasts, for me, your podcast, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> right? Um, and I think the 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 cool one for me is also the I. Funny enough, I learned a lot from uh, the Joe Rogan podcast. Yeah, you know, I yeah, you know, like so I mean, some of the, some of the <laughs> we were just talk. talking about this. Did you did you hear this from our podcast? Yeah, yeah. So, so the people he gets on, like, as much as you go, like, what the, you know, yeah. but you actually, you actually, when they, he actually asked, he, he, he 
able to ask the right question. Yeah, so he's a great interviewer. It's so it's yeah. so weird. You go from talking about American politics to um, WWE. Like I don't, I'm like I don't even understand how we got here, but that's where we're at. Yeah, so I think that's also a really good one to like you know learn a lot from. And he does interview a lot of uh, people that talk about daily, uh, like even health health related yeah. stuff, training related stuff. So so it's nice to have a fresh or unique take on it, you know? So, so yeah. Yeah. What have you listened to in the last week, Tony? I have only listened to Lester's podcast and I got Katie... <laughs> well, you listened to all of them. You I didn't was, just I, listen to one. I listened to all of them. Um, even all of them. So, and then I got Katie to send me the ones that she's done. So, I haven't started yeah. listening to them. So, um, I will tell you what they are because she sent them to me via... Instagram, so because I really enjoyed um, listening to you guys talk when you guys were in Montreal, so um, gave me a little bit more of an insight into Katie's background, and she's such an interesting yep. person and such a lovely person. Um, it's really strange to get a connection to somebody that you've never met before and only done, you know, via our training, yep. Yep. and then yep. just. She was there while we were doing this this thing, this this amazing thing, and she got to experience with us, and um, we didn't, yeah, yeah. We, we just didn't even know each other really. So it's um, yeah. really cool. So it was, it was great to see, you know, it was great to see like you know her being able to like just be able to hang out with you guys, and you guys hanging out with her, you know, and and I think that's the big thing, like you know, especially for us. A lot of our lifters are all remote. Well, most of our lifters are remote. So when we all suddenly come together and train together, you know, physically, it just goes like, oh, wow, you know, I see you all the time on Instagram and I finally get to talk to you or hang out with you. It's it's quite a cool moment. It's so, so it's so weird because you, cause you see them daily, but you don't know them or see them yeah. physically. Yeah. And then when you do see them, you're like, you you feel like you know them well and but then you get this whole big spectrum of knowing them better and you're like we actually um yeah are we, are we best friends we're like, we're like best friends <laughs> and i don't even know how that happened <laughs> i just met you but we're now like best friends <laughs> i always clap your things on instagram all the time <laughs> That's what I. That's what I really like to see. You know, like you guys, you guys being able to interact with each other. You know, like taking a step back like that, and I go, oh wow, you know, this is this is what weightlifting can do. You know, so yeah, yeah. yeah. So I've got her podcast, which is called Neurotica. Yeah, is that right? Yeah, yeah. So Uh, yeah, that's that's the one that I think she did with uh, one of the one of the guys that talked about Justin Silver. Justin Silver is name. Yes. Yeah. Yes. 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 So I'm going to have a listen to those um, now that I've finished binge listening to Lester talk. Yeah. <laughs> it was good. I liked it. it was in, I really enjoyed it and it really helped with my lifting this week. Absolutely. One, one I've listened to for everyone listening um, this last week is uh, James Clear. I've spoken about James Clear before who's – the author of a book called Atomic Habits, um, which is an amazing book for, for anyone trying to build a new habit. And uh, he did a podcast on um, the Waking Up podcast with Sam Harris. So highly recommend anyone listen to that. The guy uh, basically just goes into the science of habit creation, which is super cool. And right now it's like a really good chance for people to start building habits. 
um, given we have an abundance of time. Well, some people do anyway. Yeah, some people. <laughs> some people have way too much time. Like I don't know. I'm like I'm speaking to people who are learning five languages and doing fifty puzzles. It's crazy. Um, I'm just happy to get you homeschooling. Every day. <laughs> <laughs> Our thoughts are with you, Lester. Um, Thank you. To, to to finish, I guess. Where can people find you, find you and all of your stuff? Give yourself a bit of a plug to our listeners. All right. Uh, I, I'm quite active on Instagram. So my handle is LesterHoKW. So I put up a lot of stuff on lifting. I put up a lot of stuff on our guys doing stuff in, uh, in their training. Uh, that, that's where you can find me. But you can also find me on my website called thetraininggeek.net. And you know you'll find all my old articles about like uh, biomechanics, lifting, strength conditioning up there, uh, and Facebook. Yeah, I have my Facebook page, the training team on it. So all of them are very uh, accessible. And you know, if you have any questions about lifting or coaching or anything else, even movement based stuff, don't be afraid to you know just run through those three avenues and contact me straight away you know being a being an internet coach these days um i'm i'm pretty i'm pretty straight uh like i get i get the messages quite quick and uh i'm most of the time quite responsive so yeah are you still doing your blog uh i try to so you know uh, i think the difficult part is being able to like put put an article out that you know i feel has enough value for everyone you know um instagram is really good for putting out short pieces of information that you know people can still take in bit by bit you know and then i occasionally maybe try to do once a month a new article or something like that but you know it depends on my time you know um I, i'm a one-man show so basically everything i do i do on my own so i try to i try to do as much as i can whenever i can Excellent. Love it. If you do more podcasts, I'll totally binge listen to them as well. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think, I think we'll, we'll definitely get you back on for another podcast, Lester, because this is great. We're, what, we're, we're, we're an, almost an hour 15 in, so it's uh, it's a long one. This is by far the longest one we've done, and it's been good. Yeah, it's good. It's so, to happen with me. You know, I talk a lot. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> well, we like it. We'll stay on. We'll just um, sort of finish up, uh, but stay on, stay on the Zoom, and then we'll finish up the audio, and we'll have a bit more of a chat. But... Guys, um, if you've made it this far, congratulations. You've done well. Um, thank you very much for listening. Make sure you subscribe, share, jump onto Lester's Yeah, binge, binge stuff. listen to his podcast listen, like yeah, I did. Jump onto his stuff and follow Lester as well. Um, and next week, we don't know what we're doing next week yet, but we'll figure it out. We'll do something fun. We might see if we can get another guest on. And Yeah. Yeah, we'll see we, how we, we go. We might talk puzzles. <laughs> we've spoken about puzzles on every single podcast now I thought we had just made it through one without talking about your damn puzzles <laughs> that's why I mentioned it alright guys well I hope you enjoyed the podcast and we'll see you guys next week